Welcome to Conversations and Connections with HBA Canada, the podcast that gives you access to industry leaders and offers valuable insights for career growth. We will be bringing you monthly episodes that include interviews with influential leaders and HBA members from healthcare and the life sciences, where they will offer career insights and key lessons they've learned. We will also be bringing you discussions highlighting essential career topics like networking, mentorship, finance, and more. Our podcast gives HPA members a chance to learn and grow together in their careers and their personal lives. Be part of the conversation as we aim to achieve our goal of getting more women into leadership roles. So don't delay and join us. Hello, HBA members. We are continuing our new season with more episodes aligned with our exciting events. We are very thrilled to be bringing you a workshop on March 30th with a focus on financial freedom. We have partnered with Nicola Wealth for this workshop. Nicola Wealth provides comprehensive advice to affluent families, foundations, and institutions across Canada. I'll link their website in the show notes. Today, we have two of their financial team members with us, Jasmine and Grace, here to chat about the importance of financial freedom and highlight some of the topics we will dive into in our workshop. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on our podcast. Let's take a few minutes to get to know our guests. Grace, why don't you go first? Hi, everyone. My name is Grace. I am a a wealth advisor at Nicola Wealth. And Jasmine? Hello, everyone. My name is Jasmine. I also work in Nicola Wealth, and I am a senior wealth planning associate. This is great. Well, again, thank you both so much for being on the podcast and bringing your wealth of knowledge. Sorry for the pun. Um, <laughs> this, this is really, you know, I think I'm so looking forward to this. I've already signed up. I signed up right away. I think that this is something that is so often overlooked, and I'm really excited to sort of listen to and learn from you in this podcast and then take that deep dive on the webinar. So diving into it, um, let's start with a few questions. The biggest one is what does financial freedom mean? Great question. We um, really, that's what it's all about is, is these different goals and financial freedom is, is definitely an important one. And I think it means that you can choose to stop working um, you know, having the ability to take or your pick care of your bills and keep your lifestyle, even when not bringing an in income by exchanging your time. Um, so, you know, your income would come from passive assets like dividends or interest or rent, for example. But the important piece of the freedom is you get choice and you don't need to exchange your time for for the income. That's what I would say it means to me. Mm-hmm. And I think um, financial freedom, as Jasmine mentioned, you know, it's probably everybody has a different definition of what that means. Um, you know, there's a couple of things that I can even think of for clients. It would be, you know, the ability to say, um, you know, leave a legacy or make charitable giving um, without feeling any constraints in terms of financially. So basically, um, essentially living your life and wanting to do and achieve the things that you want to without any financial constraints. Yeah, good point, Grace, where you can just live your life, uh, your whole life, and you can still do philanthropy and and be well taken care of and pass it on to your children and leave a legacy, you know, family or whatever causes you have. And 
um, having the, the freedom to, to do that. That's great. And when you say financial freedom, I mean, I think it's sometimes I think retirement, but we're really talking mm-hmm. about you can have that at any point, right? At sort of any time in your life, if, if you are using the tools and, and, you know, getting, you know, support and help. Yeah, that's such an interesting thing that you said there, Christina. <laughs> that was one of the things that actually we always discuss with our clients is that people always relate, you know, retirement with financial freedom. So, I mean, essentially you could have financial independence without actually being retired, right? There's a, you know, there's a lot of uh, communication about that. And um, yeah, financial freedom can certainly happen prior to essentially being retired. Um, and we're finding that I think lots of people continue to quote unquote work a lot longer. Um, but again, having that freedom of, you know, doing things that they enjoy doing versus having something a bit more static, like a nine to five, for example. Exactly. I'm always thinking, how can I go on a lot of trips? Yes. <laughs> That's my financial freedom. <laughs> Absolutely. And now with this remote environment, you know, you could be sitting in a beach in Greece, for example, and uh, still continuing to do what, you know, your role day to day. Yeah, I think I saw a hashtag like workation. So yes. <laughs> exactly what you just said. Yeah, I like that. Workation. Yeah. Yeah. So then the second question, what does it mean to protect your wealth? And, and why is it important to make sure that we are protecting our wealth? Yeah. So tying in with, you know, why we like when we want to achieve financial freedom is essentially because we've worked hard to kind of accumulate the nest egg that we have. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, that work comes with a lot of sacrifices, especially for, you know, a lot of women when we have kids and um, lots of responsibilities. Uh, so the protection of your wealth is, is essentially very key um, because again, you know, when you protect your wealth earlier on or throughout your life, then the sooner that you will achieve financial freedom and, um, you know, Jasmine and I were talking about that before too. It's very multifaceted. You know, everybody has a different, again, definition of what protection of wealth means. Um, you know, and I, for me personally, I think it's protection is one thing, but protection doesn't mean that, you know, say the example is that, say if you have $100,000 and you know, you are going to protect that wealth, you're saying like, hey, I just want to keep my 100000 at 100000 but essentially you you want it to grow, right? So protection of your wealth means growing the nest egg that you currently have. And, you know, that can be done by, you know, paying attention to things like financial planning, tax planning, and, and strategies that can essentially help you grow your wealth. I think, yeah, Jasmine, you had a point there great, as well about absolutely. that. Yeah. We were talking about that and we were seeing protection against inflation, for example. So Grace, the example you're giving is perfect. You have 100,000, but if it stays 100,000 for years and years, you're losing that 100,000 five years from now will not be able to buy the same amount of stuff um, or same amount of lifestyle than that 100,000 today. So making sure that our, you know, our clients or, or all of your um, hard earned savings is, is growing to beat protect itself for from inflation, for example. Um, and, and sort of just, you know, when you've arrived at that point of financial freedom and, and you, you know, you sit down with your planner or you sit down with your family and you say, I could choose to stop working for them for the, you know, for the rest of my life and I'll be okay. 
and you give up your actual work, your actual job, let's say at that point, you're quite vulnerable because your wealth is, it needs to be protected because if you lose it or if it, or if it isn't protected, that means, you know, it's not, it's there to take care of you for the rest of your life, um, you know, into the possibly next generation. So it's important to protect that savings um, and not have it not only just protect against inflation, but not have it go go down. And Grace, I love what you say about tax too, because you know tax planning, you know, protect your wealth so you're not paying any more taxes than you absolutely have, have to. I think someone said like you don't have to tip the you know tip the CRA. Um, so <laughs> you know, all different ways of protecting it. I think that's really interesting. Interesting. And then you say inflation. I think just quickly, this was the, one of the highest years of inflation, correct? So, and that's, I didn't even think about how that affects wealth until someone said, you know, it's like 7%. And, you know, when you're looking at your pay and you get that 1.5% increase, you're going, oh no, that that's nowhere near close. So can you expand a little bit on, on that, on that sort of aspect of the, the inflation and impacts? It's so important to understand the impact. I mean, how to fight it is, is a whole other ball game, but it's since just understanding people, are so used to just dealing with, you know, like I have a dollar, I'm going to spend it. But um, so what we call like the nominal terms, but the, after the, the real, real, um, uh, you know, how far your dollar, your hard earned dollar can go when they say inflation is 7% um, and everything in the grocery store and things in the grocery store, your gas and all that kind of stuff is now, you know, 10% more um, all of a sudden, you have less money left in your pocket, right? Because you have to spend more on all the stuff you're used to spending your, your money on. Um, and understanding that you're going to have less for, for maybe other things and you have to adjust your, uh, adjust your lifestyle or go out there and ask for, that, um, ask for that raise. But yeah, understanding the impact. Yeah, and that's, well, that sort of feeds right into the, the next couple of points, um, which is sort of, debt reduction and budgeting. And we'll start with my favorite of debt reduction. Cause again, listeners, and if you guys, anyone that had to take out student loans was that was a fun lesson to learn <laughs> on debt planning. So talk a little bit about understanding and creating a debt reduction plan. For sure. Um, I can kick that off, Grace. Um, yeah, debt, that is a, it's an interesting subject because there's good debt and then there's bad debt. So really looking at your debt at, you know, what it is. Um, and, and how much it costs you, and is it a reasonable cost? Um, there is, you know, the, you know, yes, you really need to pay off your high interest debt, like your credit card debt, your consumer debt. Um, if it's a high interest debt, it can really be, and you're carrying that, and you're paying those really high fees, it can, it can be devastating to your wealth, because it will take away from your wealth building because you're paying this really high costs to carry debt. So in order to take care of this high cost debt, I mean, you really, it's, it's, it's really quite simple, really, if you break it down, but you have to have a cash flow plan. And nobody likes to, you know, do this piece. We like, you know, we help our clients with this a lot, but you need to understand money coming in, how much are you receiving, what expenses you have to take care of, and then find the excess that's going to pay off that high interest debt um, and, and know, okay, it's gonna take me this long to do that. But something like mortgage debt or low interest debt, 
So, you know, your mortgages being at historic lows. I mean, it, you know, when you, even with the, if, with the rate hikes we're going to get this year, most likely it's historically still really, really low. Do you need to be putting extra money on your mortgage? No, it probably wouldn't even be recommended, uh, you know, to go over and above what your mortgage schedule is. Uh, you would be better off to take that money and, and you know, put it into a, a different savings uh, or investment. Uh, account. Uh, so it's sort of separating, looking at your debt and making sense of it all and breaking it down into the one that needs to be taken care of first and you need to prioritize it and get it you know, off your plate as soon as possible. And one that, you know, I probably shouldn't be putting extra money towards it. Oh, that's excellent advice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, a, debt is an interesting one because, um, you know, everybody is emotionally tied to things like money, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. a, it's a, um, and sometimes, you know, when you're emotionally tied to something, it's really hard to make kind of clear, um, subjective decisions. And, uh, um, and that's why I think, uh, you know, for me, I, I was just sharing with Jasmine as well, that personally, you know, these are the types of things that if you're comfortable to, to kind of discuss with your friends or family, um, that's definitely a good topic to have, because it all comes down to as well discipline. Um, you know, I remember when I was younger too, I wasn't that much afraid of being in debt, like in terms of having a high credit card balance and paying just the interest portion and think to myself, oh yeah, don't worry, you know, one day I'll eventually pay all of this off, but not thinking about kind of the math behind it. And so, um, you know, a, one way to do uh, a debt reduction plan would be essentially consolidate your debt, right? So if you're, 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 you have the ability to say, have a line of credit, that's, you know, let's say four or 5%, but you have a, a larger credit card debt that you're paying 19% on, might be better to kind of consolidate everything or you have a car loan, for example. And it also builds up the, the discipline of paying back um, your debts kind of every month at the same amount. Um, you know, and I think maybe this is a good segue, Christina, to talk about the next question yeah. <laughs> about budgeting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, for me, our biggest thing in COVID, my husband and I started sort of a budget spreadsheet. And then just recently mm -hmm. I said, you know, we need to add a tab for debt tracking. So we have that and we always know where we're standing. So yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So kind of um, take our listeners through budgeting, you know, where to start, where, how to break it down, everything. <laughs> yeah. You know, as advisors, we love our spreadsheets. <laughs> we track everything. We like, um, yeah, I think having something um, kind of a bit more tangible that you could look at, I think it's, it's, it's good. You know, people are usually very visual. Um, and so in terms of budgeting, I think where to start, if, if a spreadsheet is a bit more intimidating, you know, a good pen and paper is always a, a, good, a good place to start. And um, the way I was thinking about it as well, and we talk about this with clients is if it gets overwhelming with your expenses, just kind of, um, you know, break everything down into two categories. You know, there's non-discretionary and then discretionary. And then further kind of drilling down, you know, is this actually something that is discretionary? Do I have to spend this? You know, people talk about, oh, you know, going to Starbucks every single day without really realizing that it quickly adds up, you know, $5 here, $5 there. And then by the end of the week, you know, you're spending $30 <laughs> on coffee. So yeah. Um, yeah. And, and for me um, again, 
budgeting is coming down to just those key pieces. Um, and then also thinking about um, making savings part of your budget. So, you know, I, I've come across a lot of people saying like, okay, so these are all my expenses and then this is what I can afford to save. So I think it's just more switching the, your thought to say, hey, saving is going to be part of our expense. And that way it's part of, you know, what you can consider your you know, discretionary uh, or non-discretionary um, okay. expense. So I know, you know, if, if some of you have read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki talks about, you know, kind of how breaking it down in terms of expenses, you know, he talks about paying yourself first, uh, you know, making, say, in his case, charitable donations. So all of this makes up part of your overall budget, because essentially you're just putting money aside that you don't see right in your bank account, um, mm. but it's just being stashed away somewhere and just, you know, continuing to grow over time. And having an emergency fund is important as well. You know, when you talk about savings kind of for, for me and the listeners, are you, you know, when, is it savings? Is that lumping in, you know, RSPs, RESPs for your, you know, for your kids, if you've got them, um, you mentioned the emergency fund. So how do you look at savings when you're doing those budgets? Yeah, and- that's a great question. Um, I think saving versus investing to me, I see it in two kind of separate buckets, but Jasmine, feel free to um, yeah, mm-hmm. chime in as well. To me, saving is for an emergency fund. So it's a little bit more short term. You know, you're putting um, money aside to less risky assets, for example. So it can be like a high interest savings account or some sort of a a GIC for the short term. Whereas long term investing is, is something that you're putting aside, like you said, Christina, you know, whether it's an RSP or an RESP for your children, it's something for a longer term period. So you're not going to be touching that money. It's there essentially for retirement or for a very specific purpose in the long term. Okay. Thanks. And I like that you broke it down, Grace, in that discretionary and non-discretionary. I don't like to see budgets broken down into too much detail. I think people can really, you know, our time is precious and we're so busy. People can get, get, can get, um, you know, Take on the budget. Take on the project of breaking it down. Budget too much, um, you know. Sometimes a little too much. And um, when I, I mean, a story when I was, you know, 19. I think what's important is that to get a good sense of cash flow, where your money is going, you know. Um, and you know, when I was when I was younger, when I started working, I was 19. I used to carry around a book with me, and I would write down like every dollar that I made and I tracked every single expense and the benefit of that, that it gave me a really great sense of of money. Um, So for example, if you're one of those people who doesn't have a good sense of where your money, where your money goes, and you're always surprised by your credit card bill, um, I would say track your expenses a little bit more in detail. So best way to do this is to use cash for like two or three months. And it just gives you this really great sense of your spending um, but really outside of that, um, the way I keep it really simple is, you know, you automate your non-discretionary, like Grace was saying, that category is usually your expenses, like your rent, your mortgage, your car bills, your utilities, you can automate some of that. And then all your discretionary expenses are usually on your credit card, for example, and then you give yourself a limit. So, you know, if your balance, if your credit card limit is 10,000, then say, you know what, every month I can only do 4,000 because that's 
that's the boundaries I've given myself. Um, and then every Friday evening, check, check that balance. Like, okay, I'm 1300 in, I have another 2700 for this month. Um, and I'm going to make sure that I, you know, it's important to stay within these boundaries, because if you go over your boundaries, then you're going to dip into your savings, you're going to be taking away from all your goals and, and saving for them. That's a bit of a rant, but <laughs> no, it's great. And actually, I'm going to throw out a question. Um, you know, speaking of credit cards, then and, and sort of tracking it that way, do you like points credit cards, like an Amex, where you get Aeroplan points? Do you recommend? Um, I have, I have both. I have that, and then I have a cashback card. So, is there mm-hmm. something that you recommend to your clients if they're going to be doing tracking like that, or or is it just anything? It's just anything. I do like cashback just because it's nice and simple and you can just see, okay, this is the cash. Um, But, you know, it it just, I feel like it's more a hobby sometimes like, oh, look at the points and I can get this (laughs) and that. Uh, And which one is better? I think that the, yes, the, the, some of the bells and whistles are going to be different around a credit card and suit different people. I think the really important piece around you know, we're talking about budgeting and cash flow. The reason why you're even going through this exercise is to make sure you understand the money that's coming in that you're earning. Where is it being allocated? Is it allocated to the things that really you love doing and to the meaningful things in your life? You know, the goals, the financial freedom you want to achieve, you know, the vacation, dozen vacations you want to take every year. (laughs) Is that money really going to those things? That's why you're even budgeting. So to really simplify that, you need to give yourself a limit to your lifestyle um, and say, you know, on month to month, like, you know, I'll I'll have to pay my bills to keep the lights on. Then I'm going to do all these fun things, my lifestyle, but I'm giving myself boundaries so that I can do all these wonderful things that really, truly I want to achieve in life. That's great. I like that limit to your lifestyle. I mean, mm-hmm. it all starts there and it kind of nicely ties into second to last question. How and where do you find the tools to help, you know, with this wealth management, with everything that we talked about in the budgeting and, you know, debt process? Okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's, I mean, the internet's full of them. Um, <laughs> so it really depends on who you are and where you are in life. So, you know, if you're, if you're young and you're starting out, or if you are older and you're at wealth preservation, you're going to need different tools. So for example, uh, Nicola Wealth, we have our podcast, we have our blog, we have our website that has a ton of information that's very useful. Um, we have our regular updates and whatnot, but we're geared towards clients that have more complexities with their financial planning, their stage of their life where they're ready to delegate wealth management to us the advisors so um, that's what all our communication is going to be geared towards and then there's you have your great thing tools that provided by like podcasts like yours christina where you know it really is geared towards uh, a specific group so there's a ton of information there um and so really understanding you know who speaks your situation um, but I can, I can give a couple of ideas of generalists, maybe to talk to, to wider audience. Would that be helpful? Yeah, absolutely. Cause you're talking more about tools, right. And education. Yeah. Christina, if I'm understanding your question. Yeah, exactly. Um, tools and education. And, and I think too, 
you mentioned when you know you're ready to delegate. Um, mm-hmm. How would people you know know to pick up the phone? And it, it kind of ties into the last question of how to find companies. So I think we can kind of you know mm-hmm. finish up talking about the three. How do you know when to pick up the phone and delegate and call a company? And then you know after that, if you're not ready, again the tools and education that you can find that's out there. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll 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 sort of tie you know I'll give a couple ideas of education. And then we'll go into, you know, how um, for, you know, I think that's a really important piece that you're bringing up, Christina. Um, But if you want to know general education and, you know, about sort of, um, you know, general education for Canadians on on financial management or, you know, wealth management, financial planning, a couple of Canadians I really like. One is Kelly Keene. Um, she has a great website, lots of resources. She just came out with a book called Rich Girl, Broke Girl. Um, and she just talks about, you know, financial planning a lot and financial, uh, uh, you know, freedom and, and, and how to manage your wealth. Um, another really good one is Rob Carrick. He's a personal finance expert. He writes for Globe and Mail, and he's very respected amongst our industry. And his articles just really gear to protect the consumer. And I think that's really important because consumers need to understand, you know, mm-hmm. what their rights and all that and, and, and be educated around it. So, um, but yeah, Grace, do you have anything to jump in there? Um, and then we can, you know, I'm happy to, to chat my piece around, you know, when I think you need to pick up a phone and maybe call for some help. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, tools, uh, Christina, going back to your question about budgeting, um, usually every financial institution and the banks that you work with, you know, when you log on into your online banking, you'll see some sort of a platform that they offer. Um, and I, I have it with, for example, my own bank where they have got, they've got like a spending tracker that shows me, you know, wow. my spending for the month, three months, six months. And it's good to have um, that type of a chart just to see kind of where your spending is at. And you'll see, you know, certain months, maybe certain areas um, spike up or down. So that's a good start instead of having to reinvent the wheel altogether. It's just using a tool that, you know, uh, is at your disposal. Um, That's one. In terms of educational piece, there's um, CI Direct Investing, for example, or any of the other robo-advisors, they usually have a blog that's, that, that they write, you know, or calculators, for example, that they have that can kind of show you, okay, hey, what would happen if, you know, um, you put X dollars towards your, you know, savings and, and, you know, for this time frame, using a rate of return, what, would, what could your portfolio look like? So those calculators, I think, are are um, very helpful. Um, they've got, you know, blogs about buying a home or, you know, um, what's right for you? To, should I pay down debt or should I invest? So it's good to have those tools. And I think there's a lot, as Jasmine was saying, there are a lot of information. So uh, definitely read and kind of, I think that's when when you start to get to a point where you you have the information and you still have questions, I'd say, um, that would be a good time to, to kind of reach out and, um, yeah, find somebody or a company to kind of help you with. And for, for that piece, it's so important. There's tons of advisors out there as well. And, and a lot of uh, financial institutions provide a lot of great service. For me, I think it comes down to word of mouth. So, um, if, you know, 
your friend recommends a particular person that they, they've come across that that's good. And I think for us at Nicola, we're, we are wealth advisors, but you know, we do a lot more than just providing advice. So we, we help our clients, for example, we work with them for a very long period of time, um, basically, you know, helping them map out um, their planning and, and incorporating, you know, all the different passions that they have, whether it's charitable giving, or, um, you know, they have certain goals for their community, their families. So we work together with them to kind of do what's best for them and, and helping them to achieve um, that goal. And Jasmine will talk a little bit more about this as well. But I think a key piece is, you know, find companies and, and advisors whose value align with yours. I think that's a, a very important piece. Yeah, well said, Grace. Um, you know, it's, there comes a point in your wealth building where, you know, and I, I've worked with clients where they're at beginning stage of their career all the way up to, you know, retirement and, and estate planning piece. Um, and, and through the entire life cycle of your life, some people like to have more control and take care of their um, wealth management on their own. And then there's ones who don't. And, you know, they might do it to a certain extent to start and then it becomes too big. Um, and, and, you know, you don't want to drop the ball on, on, on regular things you need to do to service your wealth. And it could be, you know, the point where you need to be deciding, does this need to go into the TFSA or RSP or RESP, or do I need to incorporate? And if they, you know, do you need a corporation? Do you need a trust? Um, at a point where your advisors need to talk to each other. So, um, you know, Grace was saying, we work with our clients for a lot of their different needs, but at that point we need to uh, we triage your lawyer, your accountants, um, you, you know, all of that together. Someone needs to overlook your entire financial well-being and communicate to your different, uh, you know, to, to your different advisors and take that off your hands as well, because, you know, you're too busy in your life, your career, your family, and, and there's moving, different moving pieces to your financial life and and you want someone to stay on top of that because it's quite detrimental there's one piece like how did my investments do but if the financial planning isn't done right you can really if you aren't paying attention to it and it's being just left on the sideline for you to work just you know here and there off your desk and it isn't properly managed you can really again uh, just you know not build your wealth to the kind of uh, extent that you otherwise would have if you had someone who just looked after it well that's i mean this has been so helpful. I know for me, again, it's, I don't know if it's just everyone sort of in COVID and with sort of our changing situations, I feel like a lot of the friends that I'm talking to more people are talking about this more openly. Now people are talking about, you know, investments and, and what they're doing and, you know, budgeting and debts and, and which is really great. Cause I think it's something that we need to talk about so that you you're always achieving or working towards achieving that financial freedom. So as uh, just as any sort of final wrap up thoughts, is there anything that you want to leave the listeners with? I did want to add one piece, actually, really yeah. important when you are looking at a company or, or, you know, people like an advisor to help you with your finances. I really encourage you to do your due diligence. Um, you know, it's easier said than done. It takes some work, but do the legwork up front. Um, each individual that you engage to help you take the time to understand one, how they're compensated and make sure that the way that they are charging you fees for that service doesn't interfere with their ability to give you unbiased advice. 
um, and also ask them what does the fee that I, you know, that I pay you, what does it cover, right? Does it cover, um, like if it's an accountant, like what, what does this fee cover? Is it just tax? Is there some planning involved? Um, if it's an investment advisor, you know, does it, pay, you know, does this fee cover maybe just for balancing of my portfolio or does it cover financial uh, advice? What does it encompass? And I think what I hate seeing more than anything is people are paying for a service, but they're not using it. Um, and you might not even, or might not even know that you are paying for a certain service, it's available to you and you're not taking advantage of, um, and you're just, you know, leaving money on the table and, and you're not taking advantage of that service. Um, so I, I would definitely encourage everyone to, to do that, do the right due diligence. Yeah, that's a good point. The fees, I think it's been, a, it's, it's always a topic in the mind of investors. And, you know, you see a lot of advertising about, you know, um, you know, different firms having, you know, the lowest fee, but yeah, there has to be a balance between, you know, the fees that people are charging and the value add that they're providing. And um, I think for me to end off would be, you know, don't feel that it's too late if you are in a situation where you need to get started um, with budgeting, you know, in wherever your, your life situation might be. Um, and so, and also don't feel overwhelmed with all the information and because of what's been happening with social media, a lot of tweets going back and forth. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's always a, you know, start somewhere and um, reach out to, um, to people, like even in your own, you know, community and your friend group, get started. If it's never too late. I, I love that. I, yeah, that's kind of how I'm looking at things too. And thank you again, Jasmine and Grace for those great financial insights and, you know, to your company, uh, Nicola Wealth for the sponsorship and partnership with HBA. I am so looking forward to, you know, March 30th and the workshop. I think that's going to be so exciting. And so mm -hmm. listeners for all the tools to start investing, implementing a debt reduction plan, creating realistic budgets, tailoring to your needs. You need to go and sign up to that March 30th webinar. It's between six and eight. You can find uh, the link to sign up uh, in the show notes, as well as you can go to hbanet.org or check out and follow our LinkedIn page at HBA Canada. It's got lots of information, uh, information on you, you know, the people that we're talking today, uh, some more insights and definitely sign up. You won't want to miss this workshop. Thanks so much. I want to give a big thanks to our HBA community for listening today. I'm your podcast host and HBA regional leader, Christina Bellier. Make sure to connect with me and HBA Canada on LinkedIn and Twitter. And if you have a topic in mind or would like to join us in the podcast, let us know. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and please drop us a rate or review. Until next time, let's push boundaries and rise together.